We, uh, we ended that, didn't we, with the word Amen. Anyone, why? Why is it that at the end of um, our prayers we say the word Amen? I remember when I first became a Christian and uh, I never even thought about it, to be quite honest. It was just kind of the dumb thing. At the end of your prayer, you say Amen. You know, it's like, oh, okay, amen. You must be the word you say. And it's quite handy, isn't it? Because when you're in a group, you ever been in a group and you're praying and you're wondering, are they finished or not? And you know, don't you, when they say that word, amen, it's over and you're finished with the prayer so you can kind of move on or whatever or everyone can open their eyes or whatever it is they're doing, you know. But there's got to be a bit more to it than that, hasn't there? There's got to be a bit more to it than that. If you've got your Bibles with you, if not, don't worry. Uh, turn to uh, Isaiah 65. If you haven't, I've got the scriptures that we're going to talk about up here for you. Um, simple verse just says, All who invoke a blessing or take an oath will do so by the God of truth. Now, that phrase, the God of truth, if you look into that in the Hebrew, what it actually means for those, I know there's a few people who are, who are new to the church. I don't know whether you're new Christians or not or what you know, but the Bible wasn't written in English, was it? It was written in Hebrew. The Old Testament, New Testament was written in Greek. In fact, some of the Old Testament was actually written in, uh, I think, Chaldean, a, a different language as well. But most of it was written in Hebrew. So we've had to translate it, and it can be a difficult process. But the translation of that, the God of truth, if you go back to the original Hebrew, actually the, a more literal t- translation is the God of Amen or Amen, depending on how you choose to say it. So what does it mean? Really what it means is is to confirm the words that are spoken. What you're actually doing is you're saying, yes, I agree with that. I I, I acknowledge that. I want that to be the case. I'm on board with that. I'm there. I'm with you. Definitely, that's what I want. You know, when you read in the scriptures, Jesus often said, didn't he? Verily, verily, I say unto you. Truly, truly, I say unto you is what that means. Truly, truly, I say unto you, I'm telling you the truth. What I'm telling you is right. It's not wrong. It's not made up. You know, one of the ways we learn as a a teacher, we know that the best way of imparting knowledge, of getting someone to know something, you've all sat there in lessons, haven't you? Or sat there in sermons or sat there, ever done it when you've read a page of a book and you get to the end of it and you can't remember what you read? It's just all washed over your head. Yeah, there's a few. We've all done that, haven't we? You know, the best way of actually retaining information is when you're told it to do something with it. See, if you just sit there and you just listen and listen and you're taking all this information, what will happen is in a week, two weeks, three weeks, most of it, 95% of it, at least 90% of it, generally is gone. You've forgotten it. Think back to some of the previous words that you've heard. A lot of it's gone. A lot of it you can't remember. It's, un- it's the way we are. So, ha- so does that mean that what I'm saying here is all a waste of time? Most of it you're going to forget in a week anyway, so what's the point, you know? Well, no, not quite. There is some good news to it. And that is that we know that the best way of retaining information, the best way of kind of making it a part of you, is to then do something with it. Do something with it. And that might be that, now often in schools, one, one of the things they're doing in schools is they're trying to get kids to, rather than just sit down and doing work, to actually get up and move around the classroom and do stuff and make posters and this kind of thing because they know it's the kind of thing that actually it, 
it fixes in there. It's a lesson that you remember. You don't forget it. To get up and to do something. And you know one of the simplest things you can do when you hear a truth in a, in a word or in church, or even if you're sat at home on your own reading your Bible, you can even do it then. One of the simplest things you can do is to say the word Amen. Because in just in that simple word, you're actually doing an action. You're doing something. You're saying something. You're affirming. You're saying, do you know what? I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree with it. Do we, agree, do we believe that God can heal people today? Yeah. So when I say, do you know what? My God heals people. We can all say, amen, can't we? You know? and, and just in that, just in saying that word after it, you're taking hold of it. You're doing something. It, it's not just a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing as well. It's something that, yeah, we can understand it in the physical, it kind of makes connections in the brain and all this kind of stuff. But there's something spiritual about it as well. There's something different. One, uh, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, a wonderful verse, for all the promises. In fact, can we say this together? Let's get a bit of faith going here this morning. Can we say this together? For all the promises of God... In him are yes, and in him, amen. To the glory of God through us. Do you know he's glorified, isn't he? He's glorified when his promises are made yes and amen. Do you know what faith is this morning? Spurgeon, some of the more mature Christians, and I don't just mean in age, all have, all have heard of Spurgeon. You know where I'm on about? I'm not in the way of the projector here. I? I like to walk around. I can't just stand still. It's my style. It's my way, you know. Spurgeon said about faith, he said, faith has three parts to it. And the first is, and in fact, actually, you, can, you will hear people at times will say, I'm doing this in faith, or, or talk about faith, and will be missing one of these three parts. And the first bit of faith is, it has to have come from God. If it hasn't come from God, forget it, it's not faith. We've all done it though, anyone who's, who's been a Christian for a few years. We've all kind of said, you know, things like, oh, you know, I fancy doing this. I'm saying, I'm going to do this in faith. And it's not really something that God's kind of spoke to you or told you to do. Now, for it to come from God, that could be in two different ways. There's those general things. One of the things it says in the Word, we did it this morning, is it says to bring your tithes and your offerings, doesn't it? It says to, 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 to bring money, put in money in the offering for the church, for the extension of the kingdom. That's something you don't need to wake up on a Sunday morning and hear this booming voice coming through your bedroom window from heaven telling you, put some money in the offering. That's just a general thing that we know we should do, isn't it? We shouldn't commit adultery. That's another one. We don't need God to tell us that. It's just a general thing. We shouldn't swear. There's loads, there's loads of them. We may do them at times, but there's all these things that we don't really need God to tell us to do it because they're general things, aren't they? A different thing might be you might really, God might want you to go off and do a mission. I don't know if you've had any missionaries go off from your church at any point, but you might, you might feel called to go to Africa or to go to India or to go to Asia or whatever, and to go and you feel a real burden. That's something I would, would say to you, really that needs to come from God. Somehow, some way, God needs to get that message to you to know, and then it can be in faith. But the second part of it, you see, that's just not enough. The second part is you've got to believe it. You've got to believe it. All this, we can, you can read the, the, the Bible and it will all back this up. You've got to believe it. 
Because the thing is, you can actually, God can tell you to do something. God, could, you, God says in his word that if, we, if you want to receive, give. Give to receive. Anyone heard that? Anyone read that? Yeah? If you want to receive, give. They're the best way to receive. If you're struggling financially, give. Go and bless someone else and God will give back to you more than you gave. That's a promise in the Bible. Okay? Now, you could have read that, so it could have come from God. And you could think, yep, yeah, I'm on board with that. And you go and do it, but you don't believe it. Because what you're doing, you're kind of gambling. You don't really believe it, but you think, well, go on, I'll give, I'll give a tenner into the offering. You never know, I might just get blessed and God might give me a new job. Or God might, you know, pay this gas bill that I've got that I can't meet this week. Yeah? That's not faith, that's gambling. We've got to make that effort to believe what God says. So that's the second bit that there's got to be. There's got to be a belief. But the third bit... And again, you can have it without any of these one bits can be missing and you'll hear people say, oh, it's in faith. And... But the third bit, it's got to be an action. There has to be an action. I think it's Hebrews that says, faith without works is dead. Thank you. Someone knows it. Faith without works is dead. It doesn't, it's useless. It's useless. There's got to be an action. You know, one of the simplest actions you can do is to say the words, amen. It's an action. It's the start of it. It leads to bigger things, but it is the very, very start of it. Hallelujah. The power of life and death, the Bible says, is in the tongue. That's what he says. That's what the Bible says. The power of, who fancies having the power of life and death? Who fancies that power? I don't know if we fancy the power of death, do we? But certainly the power of life sounds good, doesn't it? The world's after this power, isn't it? The power of life and death. They're trying to, um, to trying to make people live for as long as they possibly can. They're trying to make people look young so that they don't get old. They're trying to do all of these different things. But you know what? The power of life and death is in the tongue. It's in the words that you say. The power of the words that you say is infinitely more powerful than virtually anything else on this earth. Virtually anything else, obviously not God. And how is that? Do you know what this really, I think, when you get hold of this truth, it changes something. It gives the power back to you. Do you know what Jesus said? He said, it's not what goes into you that defiles you, that makes you um, unclean, shall we say, but it's what comes out that makes you unclean, that harms you. Another way of looking at it is it's not what goes into you that harms you, but it's what comes out. If you think about it, that really gives the power back to us. I bet every one of us at some point in our lives has been in a situation where someone's bullied us in some way. Could be in a work situation where your boss is using his power, you know, to manipulate you or whatever. It could have been at school. It could have been in any number of situations. We've all been in those situations, haven't we? Every one of us. But do you know what? Someone could say the most awful things to you. They could call you all the names under the sun. They could tell you that you are rubbish, that you are worthless, you'll never amount to anything. They could tell you all these different things. And please do not think I am making light of those things. We should not do that, and those things can be extremely damaging. But I want to tell you this, that that doesn't mean you have to be a victim. That doesn't mean that those words have to hang over your life as some kind of curse that is with you forever. I've heard of people who can recount something someone said to them 30 years ago that's held with them all of their life. Someone who said to them they would be nothing, they'd never amount to anything and they've never been able to get over it. Do you know what? That doesn't have to be the case because Jesus said it's not what goes in but it's what comes out. And I would say this to you, 
that those things become much more damaging when we start to speak them out ourselves and we start to believe them and we start to say ourselves that, do you know what, I'll never be anything. I'll never amount to anything. I'll never do anything with my life. I'm rubbish and I'll never achieve anything. You know what? Say positive things about your life. Speak life over your life because that's where the power is. That's where the power is. That is the thing that will change your life. Can we turn to Mark 11? Mark 11, verse 12. <clears throat> this is a, a, most of you, a lot of you will know this story. It says, now the next day, when they come out from Bethany, he was hungry. This is talking about Jesus. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. First time I read that story, I felt sorry for the fig tree. It wasn't in season, was it? You can't, you can't help but feel a bit sorry for the fig tree at first, can you? You think, hold on, here he is cursing a fig tree, but it's like trying to get apples off a tree in winter. It's not the season, it wouldn't necessarily, it's not meant to have apples, so why on earth did he curse it? Well, I think probably because here is God in the flesh, walking up to a fig tree. God is hungry, I think that fig tree in or out of season should have produced some fig trees for him to be quite honest. I think he should have done that actually when you read it again, you think about it. But anyway, I don't really want to go into that too much. Let no one eat fruit from it ever again, and his disciples heard it. Now, we move on a little bit further, sorry, to verse 20, and it says, Now, in the morning, as they passed by, this is the disciples and, and Jesus as well, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, that's Jesus, Rabbi, teacher, another is what that means, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly or truly, 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 I say to you, I'm not lying to you here, what I'm telling you is a truth. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. That's a promise. That's a promise. Truly I say to you, whoever says to what? To this mountain. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. What does he mean by the mountain? You see, I've been a Christian a few years and I bet if we add up all the years of Christianity that there is in this room, there's a few years. There's probably a few years, isn't there, combined, right? Anyone seen a mountain moved? No, okay. Anyone heard of a mountain being moved? I, I've not. Now, I did read a story once, I'm not too sure whether it was true, of someone who claimed this mountain had moved, but I'm, I don't know. Not many of us have seen mountains being moved, have we? Okay. So we're either all failing as Christians or 
Not that I don't think Jesus doesn't mean literally. I believe that if there was a necessity for it, then I'm sure we could move mountains. But I think he's on about something a bit more kind of personal here with mountains. I think what he's on about here is those things in your life that are so big, like a mountain, that they look like it would be impossible to move. Now, that could be any number of things. That could be a sickness that you've had for the last 30 years. That could be an abusive relationship that you're in that you don't seem to find any way out. That could be a job situation that you're in where you just cannot find work and you've tried everything you can and there doesn't seem to be any way. That could be like one of the fellow elders in my church who's got cancer at the moment. Who's, who's, who's been told by the doctor, these were the words of the doctors, he's riddled with it. And they've said there's nothing that they can do. But do you know what? He is in faith. By the grace of God, he is in faith, and I'm standing in faith with him. And that is a mountain. And that is a mountain. And what did Jesus say? What did he say? Did he say, go round and tell everyone about this huge mountain in your life? No, that wasn't what he said to do. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. I'm not saying it's wrong to do that. But that wasn't what he said to do. He didn't say, go around telling everyone about this huge mountain. What did he say to do about the mountain? He said a few things. He said, whoever says to this mountain, to the mountain, whoever says to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And doesn't doubt in his heart but believe that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So Jesus says if there's a mountain in your life, you tell it to be cast into the sea. Don't doubt that that's a difficult thing. Don't doubt. But do you know what? With prayer, you can be in a situation where you're not doubting. And part of that comes with guarding your tongue and being careful what you say. Don't Speak negatively, speak positively, speak truth, speak the words of life, speak the situation as God says it is, not as you see the situation. But believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Go and tell the mountain. Go and tell the mountain. How are we doing for time? I lose track. Have we got about five minutes? About five minutes or so, do you reckon? Be okay. Can we turn to Romans 4? I meant to, to look at the clock before I got up, but I didn't, so I'm hoping we've got a, a, a few more minutes left. Romans 4, verse 16 says, Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. Do you know what? This is one of the most important verses in the Bible. This is really a crucial verse because, do you know what Jesus was all about? He was all about just giving to everyone. He wasn't about this huge hierarchy where you've got the people who are at the front and there's some special people and they've got some spiritual thing that the rest of the congregation haven't got. He wasn't about, he was about everyone having. He was about healing the common man. He was about mixing with the common people. He was the kind of, the original, um, you know, like power to the people kind of person. He was the, 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 the life of that, if you like. But look at this, it says, therefore, it is of faith. 
that it might be according to grace. Now, what's faith? Well, we've already talked about what faith is. Faith is coming from God, believing it, and then acting. Now, God says that we all have a measure of faith, that he's deposited a measure of faith in every single one of us. So, and this is talking about promises of God. This is talking about promises that God has for all of us. And it's saying that those promises are of faith. So that's something that we've all got. Every single one of us has got faith. Okay? So promises of God are of faith. Why? That it might be according to grace. Now what's grace? Grace is the unmerited, the unearned favor, favor sorry, of God. You know what grace is all about? It's something that you don't deserve. It's something that you didn't earn. You know, at the end of the day when you've gone to work and you've worked a full day or at the end of the week or at the end of the month and your boss, they don't really hand you your wages nowadays, do you? It all goes by direct debit into your bank account. Are you dead thankful to your boss because he's given you those wages? Well, no, not really. Why? Because you earned them. You deserved them. They were yours. You earned them. You were meant to have them. But do you know how it works with God? All the things we get from God are according to grace. They're not earned. They're not earned. You see, at the end of that month, in the day, the, the, when you get to the end of the month and you're waiting for your, for your wages, your boss is actually your debtor. He owes you money. You're in a situation where he owes you something. In fact, we've had situations with companies that have gone bust and haven't been able to pay their employees. That's happened. We've all heard of that, haven't we? But at the end of that month or the end of that week or the end of that day, your boss is your debtor. He owes you money. He's in a situation where he owes you something. And the thing is, for none of us, none of us can ever put, that, put God in that situation where he owes us something. It says in the word that no man, God is no man's debtor. He's no man's debtor. He owes no one anything. Why? Well, I think because he gave it us all in the first place. He gave it us all in the first place. Anything we have, it came from him in the first place. If, if you've had a good day today and you've become a better Christian, it's because he's helped you and he's shown you how to do it. If, you, if you've got life and you've had the power to go and do something and help someone, where did it come from? It came because God gave you that life in the first place. It all comes from him, doesn't it? So no one can make God a debtor. So I think this verse is, is really powerful because what it says is, it says it's open to anyone. And what does it say is open to anyone? It says that the promise might be sure to all the seed. That's us. That's everyone who believes in God. All the Christians in the world. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. And then it goes on a little bit further, and it says, let me find the verse, um, verse 11, I've made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. This is God. He calls things into existence that aren't there. He speaks in faith. And do you know what? If you get nothing else from this word this morning, get this. Be careful about the words you say. 
Be careful about how you talk about situations in your life, situations that you see. Speak positively about them. You know, like when I was talking about my, my, my good friend, Peter, his name is one of the elders in our church, and, and, and he's in this situation. And you know, the way I say that situation is, the doctors have said that there's nothing they can do for him. Because that is true. But I'm not saying he's dying. Because I don't believe that. I'm in faith. I'm standing with him. Because you know what? Cancer can't take his life. Only God can take his life. And the cancer may attack him and the cancer may try and harm him, but only God can take his life. And I want to speak truth and I want to speak positive about that situation. And you know what? Whatever your situation is at the moment in your life, be careful how you speak about it. Be careful what you say. Because it's not the external things that happen to you when you lose your job or when there's a financial difficulty or when there's a sickness or when there's a difficulty or when there's a problem with one of the kids or whatever. It's not those things that are difficulty or when the car won't pass its MOT. Those external things can't harm you. Those aren't the powerful things. But Jesus said it's what comes out of you. What comes out of you? The words that come out of your mouth, they're the things that are life-changing because it stirs up faith and that's the thing that will change your life. Can I get an amen from that this morning? Yeah. Can we praise God for that this morning? Yeah, definitely. Should we have some worship? Thank you, Brian.